1: G'day folks, my name's Peter. Welcome to Monday Down Under on the Talking Pool podcast. Big, big thank you to Rudy and the team for inviting me along and letting me share something of the Australian pool industry. I'm based in Perth, Western Australia. We have what's often called a Mediterranean-type climate. So we have cool, wet winters. It doesn't get excessively cold here. We never hit freezing point. It's spring at the moment. The skies are blue, sun is shining, I was out doing a few jobs this morning, it is glorious out there, it's beautiful, beautiful weather. But one thing we're all aware of is summer isn't far away, and our summers can be very hot, very dry. Daytime summer temperatures often hover around 40 degrees Celsius, that's 104 Fahrenheit, and every morning we get a big wind coming off the desert, most mornings anyway. Uh, most of inland Australia is desert. When that wind comes through, it just rips the moisture out of everything. Bushfire season is well on the way. Uh, I've noticed the last couple of weeks a, an occasional little bushfire that I can see in the hills to the east of the city. They tend to get put out fairly quickly because everything's still wet. There's still plenty of moisture from the winter. But when that changes, fires can very quickly go out of control. I'm sure most of you heard about two and a half years ago, on the other side of the country, on the east coast of Australia, there was a bushfire that devastated 35 million acres of bushland. To put that into perspective, that's a little bit bigger than the state of Florida. So that's a big bushfire. And as pool professionals, there's often not a lot we can do because the pools get destroyed. The houses get destroyed. 3,000 buildings were lost. 2,700 homes were lost. It's heartbreaking to see. But with these smaller bushfires, do they mess up pools? Absolutely. Can it be fixed in a straightforward way? Generally, yes. Yes. So I'm going to share some of the tips I've learned along the way. Uh, I'll share my process for dealing with a bushfire-affected pool. I'm more than happy to hear any feedback or any of your tips that you've come across. But this this is a good starting point. This is what I've found to be effective over the last 28 years. First thing I do is start now, before bushfires become a major problem. When I get to a job and this doesn't matter if it's servicing a pool or equipment work or consulting for something with a a customer or a handover, a pool school you would call it in the US, I always, always look around the pool first because that gives me a lot of information about what problems I might be facing. And as I'm doing that, I always look for potential fire hazards Bad wiring can very quickly start a fire, and a bushfire can spread so very quickly. If I see faulty wiring, I recommend that they get a licensed electrician to to test it and repair it. Uh, Interesting side note here, in Australia, we are not allowed to touch mains power. We're on 220 to 240 volt here. We can't touch it unless we've got both our trade certificate as an electrician and an electrician's license. That's why so much of our equipment just plugs into a wall socket rather than being hardwired. But I digress. You'll see I do that a lot. I also look for things like leaf debris lying around. And if I had a dollar for every time I've seen a pool equipment area that's half covered in dead leaves, I'd be a very, very wealthy man. It gets dry. A lot of our native trees in particular have a very high oil content in their leaves, so they're effectively surrounding their pool equipment with fire starters, with kindling, with oil in it. It goes up so fast. I've seen it happen. There's just no warning. I also look in things like garden beds around the pool for anything similar, dead leaves, sticks, anything that could help promote a fire. Because not only do I care about the fire safety, but that's more crap that's going to blow in the pool that I'm going to have to clean out. When I hear about a fire in a certain area, via an alert on a smartphone app or on the radio, or even if I see smoke in the distance as I'm driving along, I'll look into what causes that and what, where the fire is. And I'll just send a quick text message to customers in the affected area. All it says is, I heard there's a bushfire nearby, hope you're doing okay. That's it. And I've had customers ring me and say, thank you so much. I didn't know there was a fire happening. We got an evacuation order. We wouldn't have known to look out for it. Builds great rapport with the customer. A couple of days after the fire's been put out, and they can go on for a long time, I'll contact the customer again. Hope everything's okay following the bushfire. Again, people call me or often text back, thanks for contacting me. It means a lot. Nine times out of ten, they say, when can you be round to sort out the pool? It's a mess. So that's when I speak with them, and on the phone, I ask them the most important question I have in this situation. Firstly, is everyone okay? Pools can be replaced. Human lives can't. More on that later. But the second and equally important question for the pool point of view, did the flames enter the property? Because if they did, I can then look a little bit further into it and follow up with some other questions. Firstly, Have you had a licensed electrician check the wiring in your home? If flames have damaged damaged wiring, that's a safety risk and a further fire risk. Secondly, especially if they have a gas heater on their pool, have you had a licensed gas plumber check that? Where we are, not anybody can open up a heater or an electrical device or do wiring work. You must have both your trade certificate as an electrician or as a gas plumber, and you must be licensed. So that's why a lot of equipment in Australia just gets plugged into a wall socket. Not a lot of it, except some of the higher draw heaters and some of the automation systems, actually get hardwired in. The next question I ask them did the pool get damaged? I've seen fiberglass pools that have caught fire. I've seen vinyl liners completely destroyed. You need to assess if you're going to get out to the job and find, hang on, this isn't within the scope of services that I offer. Uh, I no longer do repairs or installations on fiberglass pools. Uh, I managed to get out of that side of the industry. I don't do vinyl relining. So there's not a lot of point in me going out to a job where I can't offer the services required. The next question I ask is, did the firefighters enter your property? And the reason that's important, if they've put out a fire with water that's been contaminated with fire retardants or fire suppressants, I need to know about it in case that messes with my chemistry. If they use a chemical such as borate, not a problem. There are some others that don't present any problems either. But if you don't know what they used, call the local fire department, ask them if anything was used there, find out the name of the chemical, and if you're not familiar with it, speak to your chemical supplier. They'll have a chemist on staff who 100% of the time will be happy to help you solve this problem. Why? It's something a bit different for them. It's a bit of variety from the normal chemistry they deal with on the day to day. If they can't help you, if they're not willing to help you, maybe it's time to find a different chemical supplier because we depend on their service just as our customers depend on our service. So you've got all your ducks in a row, time to go out and visit the site. Again, start by looking around the pool. What hazards are there? Again, any damage to wiring that hasn't been picked up. Is there a fallen power cable? Why didn't the electrician pick that up? That's a priority. Are there any flame-damaged trees that might lose a branch or that might fall over altogether? The most important thing is your own safety on the job. By far, nothing is more important than you and your team getting home safely to their families at the end of the day. Next thing I do, check the equipment, Make sure there's no fire damage there. Then I look at the pool. And the first thing I do is remove as much debris as possible. There's going to be a lot of leaves. There's going to be possibly tree branches. There might be dead animals. There might be live animals. Now, these live animals might be hungry and scared, and that makes them more dangerous. So just be aware before you stick your hand into a skimmer box. One thing that I'm not normally concerned with is ash on the surface. I've tried in the past to scoop it. As soon as the net hits it, it just turns into a powdery dust. We let the flock treatment take care of that. Now, there are two different types of flock that I use. Both aluminium-based, both work in the same way, both have the same chemical parameter requirements to work effectively. Water temperature should be 20 degrees Celsius, that's about 68 Fahrenheit. Less than that, and it won't be as effective, and it won't be as fast. Considerably less than that, and you're just not going to get good results. Not normally a problem in our summers. I like to keep pH at the higher end of things, so we're looking around about 7.8 to 8. The flock will bring the pH down total alkalinity 80 to 120, and then you're pretty much ready to start with a flock. Now, if it hasn't already been done, make sure that your element is removed from your cartridge filter, or if you have a media filter, or I guess DE filter. DE filters just aren't a thing in Australia. I last worked on one about 25 years ago. Our suppliers don't even carry them. Pool shops don't carry DE powder. That's how rare they are. Put the multi-port valve to recirculate. This stuff is going to mess up your filter. So if you're using alum or pack, circulate it around the pool. Two hours is a good amount of time. But if there's a problem with the equipment, power outage, damaged equipment, and you can't circulate it with the pump, that's when pack comes in really handy. Being a liquid form... You can apply it without requirements for circulation. I get a 5-litre garden spray bottle, 5-litre tank that's a little bit over a gallon. Put the flock into it, the pack into it, pump it up and down, get pressure in there. Then there's a hose with a nozzle. And as long as it's not a windy day, you can spray that on the surface of the pool with even coverage and it will start to coagulate impurities and sink down, grabbing more as it goes down the bottom. I've used this technique hundreds of times when flocking pools, and it works every single time. So there's a little tip if you don't have power for some reason. You don't want to have to come back another time, more than necessary, if the equipment's not working. Start the process now. Leave it, depending on what's in the water four to forty-eight hours, there are some variables there, by which point it should have formed a nice layer of gunk on the bottom of the pool. And then vacuum it out to waste. After that's done, depending on what was in the water, you might need to give it another go if things have settled, especially in cooler water. Then it's time to inspect your filters, look at your sand media, look at the filter element in your cartridge filter, or check your DE grids, At best, they're going to need a good clean. At worst, they may need replacement, depending on what's been through them. Start up the system. Get your chemistry on point. In particular, watch for phosphates. The ash from bushfires can carry a tremendous amount of phosphate. Pack and alum will both deal with phosphates, but there is a limit. I've seen pools after bushfires with 5,000 to 6,000 parts per billion of phosphate and I've had to follow up with a lanthanum chloride treatment. Very simple. Lanthanum chloride. Use a clarifier. uh, Cationic polymers work great. Run the system for eight hours. Re-clean the filters, and it should be good to go. Retest it, and then everything should be dandy. I hope this has helped give you a bit of an idea as to how to attack a bushfire damage pool I really, truly hope it never is something you have to face. And most of all, I wish you safety out there. Have a great summer, folks.